Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Billy Humphrey lays out practical plans of what gatekeepers will look like in the future. If you want to know more about gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. share with y'all and it's like trying to get it down to like okay what am I going to share this week like what's the piece that I'm going to give this week it's really challenging because there's so many things that the Lord is brewing and speaking and there's so much he's doing prophetically but there's so much vision that's filling my heart and our leaders hearts and my wife and just everybody so to try to get it down to bite-sized portions it's like ooh, a little challenging but we're gonna do it Tonight, we're going to talk about the gatekeeper's blueprint. Everybody say blueprint. Gatekeeper's blueprint. We're building foundations right now, okay? Um, In the transition um, from Casey, God rest his soul. No, he didn't die. From Casey and his excellent ministry and leadership to us who are going to try to measure up to him, uh, we feel like the Lord has been blowing freshly and giving us lots of thoughts about the things he wants to do with gatekeepers. And I will just share this. I personally, as the Lord, I told you the story last week, as the Lord was stirring me, I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in gatekeepers for like, Mary Beth and I will do it for like two years you know, uh, then we'll just turn it over to somebody, God bless, and we'll just move on back to normal. And that first week after Casey shared, I went to bed that night and I couldn't sleep. In fact, most nights after gatekeepers, I can't sleep because I go home and I'm so like lit up with just like living dreams about y'all and about what God wants to do and Gen Z and just everything. And I just sit there and buzz in my bed thinking about it. Actually, last week I just didn't buzz in my bed. I just waited at my dinner table until my sons came home so I could ask them things. <clears throat> Which they went to Waffle House and got lost in like scattered, smothered, and covered to like 1.30 or something. It's all good. Um, so I'm going to sleep. This is two weeks ago. And I start getting nervous. And I'm not a particularly nervous person. I don't usually get nervous. I don't, it's just not who I am. Um, So I start feeling nervous. And the reason I'm feeling nervous is because I feel like I'm missing, misunderstanding the Lord. And not missing God like, oh, you shouldn't be uh, a part in, in gatekeepers, but like, Oh, you are shooting way too low. You're thinking this is two years and maybe you get it to 125 or 150 kids. And that's not what I'm doing at all. And this is like the Lord is kind of putting, you know, thoughts in my mind. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think we're thinking right about this at all. And he starts kind of lining up all sorts of things in my mind. And I'm like, oh, man. I think he's thinking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young adults as a part of gatekeepers. And I'm like, man, I've, 
oh gosh, I got to like rethink my life. So I go to bed, wake up, and it's one of those, went to sleep at 1.30, woke up at 6.30, like, like just buzzing, like, man, what's happening? So I do Friday, I start sharing it with some of the leaders, like, I think God's doing something, I think we might be thinking too small. Go to bed on Friday, and uh, wake up Saturday morning, and I've got a voice memo waiting for me from, I won't say who, because he wants to be, stay out of the spotlight, but from one of our leaders, and he's had a dream, a dynamic dream, one of those dreams where you feel like you're awake in the dream kind of dreams, and in the dream, I'll just give it to you quick, it's, it's my house, and it's completely overrun with young people. It's overrun with y'all plus, plus, plus. They're in my pantry. They're in my refrigerator. They're eating my ice cream and my cereal. They're all over my house, but it's completely comfortable. Everybody feels like they're home. They're all over my property, all in my yard. It's like some Gen Z invasion at our house. And, um, and it's this in incredible feeling of welcome and family, but it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of y'all covering all over my property. And in the dream, there's a couple things that happened to the side of my property. There's this kind of uh, dark area, dark uh, door where Somebody wanders into that, and they come back, and they are messed up, and they've been in the darkness, and they come out of the darkness, and immediately people start gathering around them and ministering to them and taking care of them and praying for them and telling them, we don't have to go there anymore because everything we have is right here. Everything we need is right here. Everything God has for us is right here in family. And then another part of the dream, somebody was like, Hey, let's play beer pong, but let's do it with water. Let's play water pong. And they're like asking me, like in the dream, can, can we play water pong? I'm like, hey, knock yourself out. Water pong your brains out, whatever you feel. And so uh, they start playing water pong, and while they're doing it, they realize this isn't our thing. This isn't for us. This isn't what we want. And they, it was like they had this recognition that even the, even the, the, the emblems of things from the world weren't the things that were going to cause their hearts to come alive. And, um, and so I was, you know, I'm listening to this dream, and I've been, like, stewing on what's God saying, what's God saying about gatekeepers. And, and then there's another part of the dream where my wife and I are going, and we're doing yard sailing with the dreamer. We're doing it together. And there's so many cool things that we're getting from this yard sale. And there's old things that they didn't want to use anymore that were like brand new to us. And we were bringing them back to the house. And we were going to be using them together. And then there was fruit. And it wasn't like baby fruit. It was like human-sized fruit. And it was so much fruit, we had to get a second vehicle to be able to pick up all the fruit. Now, come on, somebody. A second vehicle to get all the fruit. So that's Saturday morning a week ago, and I'm listening to this thing, 
And immediately that sensation I had that, oh my gosh, I'm thinking too small. It comes right back to me and I'm like, oh Lord, you're getting ready to do something shocking. And uh, I just say this, like I don't usually have a problem thinking too small. Usually I think too big and got to like dial it back. But I believe the Lord is right now telling us to lift our vision higher. Come on. Who wants to lift their vision higher? Who wants to believe for something dynamic that only heaven can release? The cool thing about it in the house was, number one, one cool thing about it was I was super happy. <laughs> I loved it the whole time. I'm like, yes, Lord. But the second thing about it was it was, it was like all y'all doing your thing. Super comfortable, super, you know, engaged, super connected. And I really feel like the Lord is speaking something dynamic about Gen Z, specifically gatekeepers, but Gen Z, you guys being comfortable in the house, the Father's delight over all of that. And in the dream where it's actually my house, I believe that that's also speaking of this house. That Gate City is about to get overrun with young people. Can somebody say amen? Come on. And I, man, I feel so strongly that we right now have a snowball that's just beginning to roll down the mountain. And we are, <laughs> there's an avalanche on the way. There is a, 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 an avalanche on the way. So I don't share that to hype. I share that to just deliver the mail as it's coming so that you can set your faith. Sometimes we're so, we're so doused in unbelief and we don't even realize it. We think so small and we don't even realize it. My challenge in going to bed was I was literally thinking beneath less than what God wants to do. But I know he wants to do something so much more dramatic. And so last week when Mary Beth and I said, hey, we're not here to fill in and meet a need and we're not here just passing through, uh, we mean that. We're here until. There's no, we're going to do this for two years. We're not, we're not here looking for the exit. As far as I know, as long as 20-year-olds want to listen to me talk, I'm here to talk to you. And, and here to help lead and facilitate. But that's really it. It's facilitating a young adult movement. Where the young adults, where you guys are the ones that are reaching and changing an entire generation. Amen. And so I'm sort of here as a dad, as a father. Mary Beth and I are here as a mom and dad. Gus and Shirley, we're here as a mom and dad to facilitate y'all. To, to fill your mind with divine ideas. To, to, to get you to believe and dream far more than you've ever dream, dreamt before. And step in and be the answer to your own prayers. And, and walk in the fulfillment of the dreams God gives you. Man, there's something dynamic coming if we just believe together. Who wants to believe? Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's look at a scripture. Turn over to Psalm 68. Get your device, your Bible. Let's look at this passage. I want to teach this just a little bit, and then uh, we'll walk through it. 
I did some research on y'all this week. Got to figure out who y'all are. Does anybody know what generation my generation is? is? Don't you say boomer. <laughs> Don't. X. Who said boomer? Don't you. Boomer. No. Gen X. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, my parents, is it, my parents are boomers. Mary Beth and I are Gen X. Gus and Shirley are millennials. And if you are 27, between 27 and 12, you're, no. <laughs> What'd you call that, a zillennial? No, no, no. Above 27 would be a millennial. From 27 to about 12, 10 or 12, depends on which sociologist you're reading, that's Gen Z. So let me just, if you're, if you're between 12 and 27 in this room, put your hands in the air. Come on, everybody, participate. Yeah, that's all. Okay, good. Y'all are Gen Z. So I will be using the term gatekeepers and Gen Z interchangeably from now on. Anyway, I had to do some research on y'all. Because I was feeling like, well, I won't say. But, you know, Gen X and Gen Z, we're not, we're not, we're very alike. We're very similar. It's true. Yeah, I used to be cool once upon a time. But we're actually very alike. And here's what's even interesting. Y'all's clothes are the clothes that we wore when we were y'all. That's why I can rock the style. It's not, don't just. She's a millennial. She's trying to get in on y'all's, she's trying to steal y'all's, like, stuff. That's called cultural appropriation. Generational cultural appropriation. All right. Side note, how many felt a physical touch in your body when we were praying for healing earlier? Just show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, four, five, six, seven. Come on now, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. All right, here we go. Psalm 68. I'm going to give you some Bible. Let's dial in. Psalm 68 is an important psalm. It's a psalm of David, but this psalm, historically, in Israel, every time they moved the Ark of the Covenant... As soon as they would lift the ark and get set out to move it from one place to another, this was the psalm from the time of David forward that they sang. So it starts with, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. So they're lifting up the ark where the glory of the Lord dwelt. They're putting it on the shoulders of the priest. And as they begin to move, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. It was, a, it was the power of heaven being impressed on the earth, and they were, they were in agreement with God immediately bringing power to thwart the activity of whatever the enemy was doing. Let those also who hate him, let them flee before God. The fear and the presence and the power of God going out 
with the ark. Verse 2. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. He's talking about the complete domination of the kingdom of God over every enemy of God. This applied, naturally speaking, to the armies that would array themselves against Israel. This applies, spiritually speaking, to every demonic force that would array itself against your life. When the presence of God moves in, the enemy is driven away like smoke. The enemy melts like wax before fire. This is the power that's in our God. And our faith is what connects us to that delivering power. you got to hear me. So often we stay in bondages because our faith is in the bondage instead of in the power of God. We've got more faith in the power of the enemy to bind us than we have in the power of God to deliver us. And I don't want that to be my testimony. I don't want that to be my reality. I want to hold Psalm 68 before me. And when God is moving in, I want to say, let God arise and let the enemy be scattered. Like smoke is easily driven away, let the enemy be driven away before me. And having that kind of aggression in my faith. And you know what? If in the moment that I'm believing, I don't see the breakthrough, I want to stay with it until the breakthrough comes. Because he promises that every fiery dart is quenched by our faith. Too often, we take a passive approach to standing in the power of God. You can't stand in faith and be passive at the same time. You have to agree with who God is, and you stand in an active way, employing your faith, knowing and believing that who God is is greater than anything the enemy is trying to do in your life. Let me make it really practical. God is more powerful than your diagnosis. God is more powerful than what they said about you and the word curses over your life. God is more powerful than the generations before you. He's more powerful than the sins of your parents. He's more powerful than the negative words of the fathers and mothers in your life. God is more powerful than your trauma. We don't enthrone trauma. We enthrone Jesus. And the power of God to deliver a soul is the same as it was the very day, the very moment the blood of Jesus first dripped off of his head and onto the ground. That power is still available right now. And I'm telling you, your generation has to know the power of God that's available to drive the enemy out as easily as smoke is driven out. Am I making sense? We will never see it if we have a passive faith. If we sit back and just whatever the enemy wants to feed us, we just listen to it. We just listen to every thought that's running a race in our mind. If we live like that, we will be the product of our thoughts, the product of everyone else's word curses, and the product of every diagnosis that they want to lay on you. You know why they want to diagnose you? Because they want to sell you meds. If I can diagnose you and get you believing that, then I can get you on a pill. And if I can get you on a pill, I get paid. 
And if one pill doesn't work, I can give you two. And if two doesn't work, I can give you three. And I can keep you on the take, and it's all legal. I don't even have to, like, you know, write illegal scripts for opioids. I can just get you convinced that you've got a three-letter malady, an ADD, an OCD, and whatever they are. And you need a pill to fix you. I am convinced of this, that the power of God is greater than the power of any pill. The power of the name of Jesus is greater than any demon. That there's nothing that has to hold you. And there's no shame if, you, if you've had to have, like, meds or whatever to get you through a hard time. Like, there's no shame in that. But I'm telling you, there's something greater than what they've told you. And this is the thing I want your generation to understand right now. You've been lied to. You've been told stuff that's not true. You've been led to believe that God doesn't care, that nobody cares, that you're alone, that you'll never make it, that you're not enough, that you're isolated, and the end of you is probably better for the world. It's a lie. Because when I think about you guys, I just think you guys are about to shock every one of the pundits, every one of the psychologists, every one of the news anchors, all the people, all the specialists, all the sociologists, they all want to tell you that this is what your generation is, this is where you're going, and I'm telling you, there is something that this generation is about to get a hold of, and it's the knowledge of God. And the power of God. And it's going to change and manifest through a generation. And it's going to shock people. Because right now, they said of my generation, Gen X, you guys are X'd out. You're the throwaways. You're nondescript. There's nothing unusual about you. You're a huge generation. And everybody's misfits. Well, they look at you guys in Gen Z and they just say, the most depressed, the most suicidal, the most medicated the most difficult to deal with. And I look at you and I say, oh, devil done messed up. Because I see the most power available when the, light, when the night gets the darkest. The light is the brightest when the night gets the darkest. And that's who you guys are. As smoke is driven away, as wax melts before the fire, so the wicked perish at the presence of God. But look at this, verse 3. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. He's, he goes, the, the wicked are trying to stop what God's doing, but God will not be stopped. So let the righteous rejoice. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah. I love that. That's the short for Yahweh. It's J-A-H-2 if you want to just go, Yah. I just love that. That reminds me of that guy. Jesus Christ. Y'all seen that guy? He's, he's, he's like in, Jesus Christ. 
He's like in the zone. He's like got the spirit of verse 4 all over him. By his name, y'all. Jesus Christ. That guy's a Gen Xer. Just want to mention that. Uh, so we got the enemy defeated. We got the, like him, he's melting like wax. We got, like, Smokey's getting driven away. We got the rejoicing of the saints. And now God's going to start talking about who he is. Verse 5. And this is so often the way that God does it. He goes, here's the, here's the challenge. Here's the answer. Here's the rejoicing for the saints. Now, here's who I am. Verse 5. A father to the fatherless. defender of widows, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. He's never forgotten an orphan. He's never forgotten a widow. He's never forgotten a prisoner. He's never forgotten one that was abused. He's never overlooked the solitary and the isolated. It's not who he is. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. Look at verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry land. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious, they'll dwell, they'll dwell in a dry land. I love verse 6. I want to read it to you in the New American Standard. Because I'm reading New King James. Here's the New American. God makes a home for the lonely. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. What does that mean? That the only ones that stay dry are the ones that reject who God is. Everyone else, God is moving and ministering in their lives. Let me read you verse 6 again. New International. God sets the lonely in families. It's like, verse, it's like New King James plus New American Standard. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Guys, I really feel like the Lord is putting this verse over gatekeepers. And I even want to declare that over your lives. And I want to declare that over who we are and declare that over who we're going to be. And one of our key facets, one of our key DNA, core DNA traits is going to be family, period. God sets the lonely in families. So, Gen X. Gen X, 
the big attack of the enemy on Gen X was fatherlessness. It was, it was like written up in like newspapers and news reports and how much divorce had happened and how many children were being raised in single parent homes and, and even they, were, they had data on kids that came home and there was nobody in the house. They called them latchkey kids. And even in my family, though we were, we were a middle class family, I came home and I didn't have a parent in the home till like 10 or, or 11 o'clock at night, many nights. So I was left as a teenager sort of just to raise myself. This was Gen X. The fatherlessness of the entire generation was kind of like the big deal. There was a point where in my former ministry that I was ministering. I had 60 folks in my ministry. 55 of them came from a single-parent home. Like fatherlessness was running rampant. Fast forward to the millennials. The challenge in the millennials was an outcome of that fatherlessness of the previous generation. And the challenge for the millennials was it wasn't just fatherlessness, it was familylessness. That family completely took a hit. So you hear people all the time in the public and they're clamoring for family. We need family. We need family. And then people are saying like, but I don't even know what family is. So the image of father takes a hit. And then the next generation, it turns into the image of the family takes a hit. And in Gen Z, it's not the image of the father. It's not the image of the family. It's the individual identity that takes a hit. Fatherlessness, familylessness, to losing your identity. Until a, an entire generation is, is being raised right now that's majority experiencing mass hopelessness to the extent that nihilism has rooted in the heart and the mind, even in like the psyche and, and even, in the, like, even in the comedy, it's like this nihilistic, trollish kind of whole thing. It's kind of fun. The troll thing is a little fun. It really is. But the hopelessness is not fun. And the hopelessness has bloomed so intensely that people are completely destroying their own identity, rejecting their own identity, getting in, 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 and completely shifting their identity. Give me another identity. Give me a new pronoun. In fact, don't even give me a his or a her. Just call me they. I'll take that. <laughs> I'm just going to start amening like that. Bruh. That's dope. I love it. Bruh. Bruh. It had a groany aspect to it. It's like, bruh. When we lost the fathers... We lost the family. We lost the family. We lost our identity. Because it's in a family with a father that you actually find out who you are. So many young people walking around with a last name that means nothing. Many don't even know the, the person that their name is connected to. 
and identity is lost, and we're seeing it in the explosion of all sorts of perverted, twisted brokenness in the generation. So I, I decided I wanted to uh, study y'all. I started doing research. There's some really cool things about you guys. Some really cool things about y'all. You're the most culturally diverse generation in American history. It is really, really, really cool. And your heart for, like, uh, diversity and justice and, and inclusion is, like, greater than any other generation in American history. You're the most technologically connected generation in American history. Many Gen Zers report that they are literally on the Internet 24 out of 24 hours per day. You're the most entrepreneurial generation. 62% of you in studies say they have already started or are going to start their own business. You're extremely fiscally conservative. You have a focus on investing. 26% of you have invested before the age of 25. If you got on Robin Hood and lost some money, you count. You got a little Bitcoin on the side, you count. You're incredibly resourceful. You learn by doing. You're adept at research. And if you need to figure something out, you just go to YouTube and figure it out. YouTube University. And what's the other one? Masterclass. TikTok is your thing, yep. Not, not to hang out, but it's actually to find stuff. It's your new Google. Spoken like a pure millennial. She said, Pinterest. <laughs> wait, wait, how many of y'all are on Pinterest, be honest? Okay, 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 okay. You have a, you're justice-minded, you have a heart for mission, and you love outreach. It's who y'all are. There's also some challenges. 35% report a continual, continual sense of hopelessness. Your generation is two times as likely to report a mental health issue than my generation. And your generation is 10 times, 10 times more given to LGBTQ and transgender. 10 times. That's not a little bit, guys. That's an explosion. That's about identity. Here's what I believe. I believe when Satan went after the fathers to destroy the family, to destroy identity, 
That was the end game. Gus and I were talking about this today. He goes, what do you think is next? I go, no, I think that's a wrap. I think if you can take the identity from an entire generation, then they want to be animals or they want to be they or they want to be something other than human. That's a wrap. And I don't believe God's going to leave it that way. He's not going to leave it that way. So here's what I think. I think God is going to raise up mothers and fathers, true mothers and fathers who love and lay themselves down, who don't care about being in front, who want to lay themselves down for another generation to step into their destiny, to build families where nobody gets left behind. People don't get left out. They don't get thrown away. They don't get given up on. I remember when I was a young man in my previous ministry, notice I'm saying that instead of when I was a youth pastor. But when I was a young man, I remember the Lord. I had a, I had a young girl in my office, and she was cussing me out. She was dropping F-bombs all over me, <laughs> getting bombed. And uh, she, uh, I, just, I just thought, I just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't deserve this. I don't want this. Forget her. You know what? <laughs> forget me? How about forget you, you know? <laughs> Let the reader understand. And, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, he said, uh, I want you to give up on her when you would want somebody to give up on you. And I determined I just wouldn't give up on her. Well, she ended up getting saved. She ended up coming through our discipleship school. She ended up saying yes to Jesus. In those years of her life, she ended up completely transformed and leading other people to the Lord. It was, it was dynamic. But I, I had to take a beating so I could see her take a healing. Do you know what Jesus does? He took a beating so we could take a healing. And when you step in and decide that you want to love like Jesus loves, it means that sometimes you're going to take a beating so that that person can take a healing. I believe God wants to raise up mothers and fathers who want to restore family so that we can pull a generation into their identity. We can call a generation into who they are. They can find out the truth about who God is. They can find out the truth about who they're made to be. Instead of being lied to and believing the lies, because nobody's there to help them and lift them and support them and call them out, they can step into what God's made them to be. And stand in opposition to the attack of the enemy. I believe that there is an entire generation that's going to come into identity in the most identity-less generation that the America's ever seen. And I believe it's y'all. Because I don't think we're going out like this. I think this attack on identity is a wrap. But the Bible promises that when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, the people that gets, get used the most are the sons and the daughters. 
I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And first thing he says, and your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. So I've learned not to write off any generations. I don't care what the statistics say. I don't care what the diagnoses are. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. The power of the blood of Jesus is greater. The power of God is greater. So I was toying around a little bit with some DNA components of who we are. And I don't know, these are just, this is a living document. It could tweak, but we want encounter, breakthrough. We want revelation, family. We want love. We're going to find those things through worship, prayer, word, discipleship, and outreach. This is how we're going to live. And the thing about it is we can't live on an island by ourselves. We have to go together. We have to do this together. And so there's an entire ministry blueprint that the Lord's downloading to us that we want to engage in, we want to give ourselves to, and it starts in this place of building family at the core, doing what we do together as family. Uh, There's a saying by an old author, we were together, and I don't remember the rest. I love that. We were together, and I don't remember the rest. I really feel like that's how God wants to join us and, and, and bring us forward, is that we were together. You're the most connected generation and the most isolated simultaneously. The big thing that you're right now rebelling against is how unpresent the millennials are because you've got Gen X parents who are actually very present because we grew up without a device in our palm. We grew up talking to people and going to parks and going out and hanging out and being together and connecting. You guys are the first one with a smartphone in your hand from the time you were born. And you've come to realize that ain't it. It's messing with your mind. It's messing with your prefrontal cortex. It's messing with your connections with people. It's created a synthetic, not real reality. Till you guys are basically opting out of social media that is fake in favor of stuff like Be Real, which I am on in case you wanted to know that. Accepting all friend requests from gatekeepers only. (laughs) I want to see what y'all are doing. That's my way of spying. No, I'm joking. But there's a reality of life that I think that God wants to give us, but we've got to go together. We've got to care for one another. We've got to bear along with each other. We've got to be willing to find out what's real, what's authentic, what's true, what's honest, and just live this way. And I know this about Gen Z. That's what y'all want. You're done with one more social media ad where they're trying to sell you another thing and acting like it's all perfect. You're just done. You know, stop scrolling. Here I am. All right, look. Here's what I did. I got the thing. It's like, you're like, Get the freak off of my screen. 
You're just done. Because all of that is so fake, you want real stuff. That's what we're going to be. We're going to do it real. We're going to do it with each other. We're going to do it authentic. We're going to be together. And so with that in mind, I want to share something with you that's our blueprint. It's like an ecosystem of who we're going to be. So let's pass those out. I want to help you guys get a vision now. I want to lift a bar for you so you can imagine with me and dream with me of where God wants to take us, and we'll end by praying for this stuff. Passing blueprints out. We're going to talk a lot more about things like family, authenticity, being honest, truth, being real. We're going to talk a lot more about those things so that we can come into agreement with that and with one another. We're going to learn how to live present with each other. We're going to learn how to take care of people that are hurting. We're going to learn how to yank the devil out of people. We're going to learn how to receive and give love. Amen. We're going to learn how to find that person that's currently wearing animal things and actually engage them and call them right out of that into who they're called to be by God, into a real identity. We're going to learn to live in hope. We're going to learn to live in the power of God. And we're going to see, we're going to see demons driven away like smoke is driven away. Come on. There's, there's 11,000 students two miles from here at Georgia Gwinnett College, but in my first official meeting with gatekeepers and Casey's last night, I met students from five different campuses. There's 11,000 on our doorstep, but there's probably several hundred thousand within 25 miles. There's no reason why we can't have something everywhere. For real. All right, look at this blueprint, and I'll start walking through this with you. At the top, well, what you see is every one of these circles is connected to the center, which is the prayer room. Now, I've already told you guys, that prayer room isn't the prayer room of the 30 and 40-year-olds. That prayer room is the prayer room of the 18 to 25-year-olds. It's your prayer room. We're already working right now to change some things, so the vibe is the vibe. I was told recently, this vibe isn't the vibe. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. So, so I, I can't make the 40-year-old do the vibe that is the vibe, but if you will say yes to burning and worship and prayer before the Lord, now we can make the vibe the vibe. Am I making sense? It requires, don't, 
Listen, don't sit there and go like, the prayer room's cool, and I really hope they change it because then I'll really like it once they change it. No, you need to change it, all right? If you want to change the prayer room, see Gus. Seriously, Gus is going to be our liaison to get the prayer room changed. Amen. (laughs) It's happening. So everything comes out of the prayer room. It doesn't have to sound like 40-year-old music. The top you see gatekeepers. This is Thursday night. Okay, look. This is our moment. This is once a week, Thursday night. I want you to get a vision for this. Once a week, we all get to go together. We get to pursue heaven. We get to believe God for breakthrough. We get to get filled with the spirit. We get to get filled with the word. We get to see one another. It's our one environment per week where we get to be with each other pursuing God all together. This is the one that is the, it's kind of the, the top of the thing because this is kind of like our weekly Pentecost. They all gathered together in one accord in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out. This is our place to come and pursue God together and experience the break-in of God on our lives. Tonight, there was about seven or eight people that raised their hand. God has touched my body and I got physically healed. There was a moment in worship where peace rolled in and began to deal with anxiety. We're able to worship together. We're able to pray together. We're able to hear the word together. We're believing God for breakthrough together. This is a place on Thursday nights that we don't want to just blow off because whatever. We want to do this together. We want to, we want to have a, a place of experience and encounter together. Amen. I want to outgrow this room. This is cool for the children's church, but this vibe isn't the vibe. All right? So I would love us to not be able to fit in here. Not not so I can say, we outgrew it. No, there's something more that God wants to do, and I can't reach, we can't reach a thousand young adults while we're meeting in the children's church. <laughs> I'm using children's church to provoke you. Second, house churches. God sets the lonely in families. Family night is house church night. There's all sorts of ways that we're going to experience one another together, but we're going to do it in homes, okay? And so we're going to start next month at the Rubayos. They want everyone in their home. They want all of you in their home like my dream. They want you in their pantry and in their, (laughs) I'm just going to blow your house up right now, in their refrigerator, They want to open up their house for us as a family. But let me tell you something. Where I believe God wants to take it, one house church ain't going to get it. I can imagine 15. I can imagine 20 house churches with 30, 40, 50 people. And family is just blowing up throughout the house church. Just begin a dream with me. T groups. Stands for transformation. Also for spilling the tea. <laughs> Actually, somebody told me that. I, I know. He's like, wah, wah. 
Two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, I literally, I wake up, I'm buzzing, I'm like, gatekeepers, just lit up. It felt like I, I woke up on 10 shots of espresso. It's the Holy Spirit. He does that. Not the espresso part, but I felt that way. And like, I, it's not even, I think it's like 8 o'clock. I'm calling Gus. I go, bro, I think I got something of the Lord, like a download. I think we're going to transformation groups. We're going to do these things. We're going to do small groups. We're going to multiply. We're going to disciple. We're going to be awesome. He goes, man, wow. Yeah, I go, I'm going to do a document. I'll send it to you. I come in, I type up a whole document, two pages. God gives me a whole strategy. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody, everyone who's in gatekeepers is going to be in a transformation group. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says this. We all, with unveiled face, we're beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We all, with unveiled face, that means we open our heart to God and to one another. And we get real, we get honest, we get true, and we go together to the Lord. And we deal with our junk, we get in the word, we get in prayer, we pray for one another, we confess our sin. Do you know why we're afraid to confess our sin? Because we never confess our sin. But the Bible teaches us to confess our sin. Not to a priest, not to me. Like, don't hear me right now go running to me like, oh, I've got some sins, really. <laughs> like, you're good. You are forgiven. <laughs> no, it's we live with one another in honesty and reality. And man, when we're struggling, we ask our brother or our sister to pick us up. To, to, you know, we repent, we confess, and we get them to pray for us. And man, the thing begins to change. And no longer are we just holding our sin to ourselves and just doing it in a dark corner. We're getting it out there and we're getting prayed for and we're getting delivered of that crap. Transformation groups. We all with an unveiled face showing the real us. We behold just like in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is we behold Him and we behold it in one another. You got glory in your gut because Holy Spirit is in there. We behold the glory of the Lord and we are transformed. Everybody wants discipleship, but some of our models of discipleship have made it like, oh, the guy on top, he's the only one that can disciple. No. No, we do this together. We do this together, and we facilitate discipleship among ourselves. And then you know what we do? We start with a small group, two or three. And we, 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 we get honest. We get real. We get growing. And then we get another person, and when that, that water of the two or three is boiling, we get another person, put them in that water, they start boiling too. Then you get another person in that water, they start boiling too. Then you get another person, and you get that thing up to five people. Man, that thing is boiling. It's rolling. And that sixth person, that sixth person is a sign that you're about to multiply. Because we're only going to do this in small groups of trust and deep friendship and family. And we're going to multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. 
I can imagine thousands of young people in these kind of groups of transformation. How many you would benefit if somebody was in your life on a weekly basis, knowing the real you, talking about the real stuff, going through the real word together and dealing with your junk? How many? That's all of us. Everybody in gatekeepers, we want everybody in a T group. We're going to be unlocking this stuff in days ahead. Ministry houses, I'll just tell you my experience. When I was a young adult, when I was in college, there's two different ways that I got discipled. I had these two guys, they were campus ministers, and they would literally come to my dorm room two, three times a week, and they would take me out on campus, and I would go out with them and share the gospel with people every day on campus with these two, three guys. This is how I lived my first year of being a Christian And I was going out sharing the gospel every single day with these two guys that were full-time ministers. It's it's what I did. I blew off my classes to go preach Jesus to people. Don't try that at home. But it was awesome. (laughs) It was amazing. And there was a bunch of dudes that were a part of the church that I was at. They had this ministry house, and they all lived together in this community. There were six or eight of them that all lived together in this house, and they were discipling one another, and all of us would hang out together at these houses. And I just see this right now where God wants to give us houses where we stack up together like a Christian fraternity or a Christian sorority, and we're sharpening one another, and people can come, get ministered to, get discipled, get the devil cast out of them, get right with God. And we live in community and in fellowship, and we have houses that are like our hubs for students and young adults. Come on. Campus outreach, like I said, those two guys, they were like, they were my, my, my dudes. And right now we've got the prayer meeting, but we want to do so many things so many more things on GGC, but not just on GGC, on multiple campuses, but watch this. We have the easiest way to get full-time staff because our entire environment is set up to raise up staff who spend half their time in prayer and then the other half in ministry. I want to see us have like five, seven, ten full-time campus evangelists that just do gatekeepers and just do outreach on campus, that serve you guys as students and just empower the whole thing and are out there regularly sharing the gospel and discipling people. And this is how we live. Prayer, outreach, ministry on campuses, all sorts of environments of, you know, meetings that we can do. And we're planning something for the fall that I just believe God is going to be something pretty catalytic. I won't say where it is yet. But can you imagine having five to ten full-time campus evangelists hitting GGC and Kennesaw State and UGA and Georgia Tech and Georgia State and did I miss your school? Whatever your school is, North Georgia. Can you imagine what that would look like? See it. D school, that's Casey. He's going to help train us and teach us in the word. Let's go. It's the evening discipleship. The evening training. Some of you guys that are full-time students or full-time job, you're going to lock in with Casey, or you're going to do a D-School intensive, which will be over the summer. Missions. John Padilla 
He's gone but not forgotten. Not quite yet gone. But John is going to be leading missions trips for gatekeepers. Come on. He's getting ready to go to Africa. He's already been to Mexico. He's getting familiarized with all of our bases. So as we're planning missions, outreach, and training in those environments, John is going to be leading us to do those international ministry trips. I want you to catch the whole thing, the whole ecosystem of it. I want you to sense what we want to do with family and houses and discipleship and evangelism with prayer at the center, believing for breakthrough and revival and multiplying. And they alluded tonight beforehand, they alluded to changes that we're going to be making. We're going to have our cafe open. But the whole lobby, let me just explain it to you. I do not want a young person to show up on Thursday night and feel like they've just walked into like the old people church lobby and got ushered to the children's church room to have service. And so I, I basically just, well, Sanchez, I'm just going to say, it's you. Everybody knows it's you. Everybody knows you're the designer. Okay, so look, I just said, here's Sanchez. Here's the keys. Do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. And so he's working with a crew and they're designing a lobby experience that's just for y'all. And it, the idea is when you walk in the door, no matter who you are as a young adult, you walk in the door and you think immediately, they thought of me. This place is for me. This is my spot. And so it's going to be unique, it's going to be different, it's going to be fresh, it's going to be whatever all the words are, lit, whatever. I don't think Riz works for that, but anyway, it's going to be really cool. And uh, the point is this, we want, no matter who the person is, no matter what their issues are, no matter what their challenges are, for them to be able to walk into this spot and feel like this is their place and that they can find fam family here. They can find relationships here. It's interesting because there's different data out on friendship in you guys' generation. Something like 92% of you say that you have one good friend. <laughs> Yay. I got one good friend. But in your generation, watch this, something like only 26% say that they have a friend that they met at church. What's interesting is 47% of you guys go to church once or less a year. And then 47% of you go to church at least once a month. But out of the 47% that come at least once a month, they don't make friends. That has to stop. That can't be who we are. We have to come out of ourselves and find each other, guys. We have to create a family. We're going to do it in houses. We're going to do it in small groups. We're going to do it in all of the ways that, that we meet and gather and express. But I don't want anyone left out. I don't want anyone left out.
Amen. All right, let's stand. Yeah. We'll wrap up. I'm not going to make everybody cry and shout in the altar. Go ahead, Kenna. <laughs> but it's gatekeepers. We got to go for it. God didn't move unless we go to 1045. Let's just raise our hands just for a moment. Listen, if you're feeling me tonight, if you hear what I'm saying and you're like, man, this, this is right. This is what I want to be a part of. Just even out of your mouth right now, I just ask you to say a simple word of agreement just to say amen. Lord, I believe the dreams that you have for who we're going to be and the way that you want to bring it to pass, that there's nothing that's hard for you. And then there's nothing that we can do in the flesh that creates life. So it's got to be by your spirit. It's got to be family. And I want to tell you, Father, that I am grateful as a father to be able to facilitate a family where identities will be restored, where deliverance will break forth, where healing will break in. So Holy Spirit, right now, spark our divine imaginations. What can you dream? What can you believe? What can happen? Right now, there's three people you know that need to be here tonight. They're not here. I want you to begin to pray for them right now. We're not going to keep it to ourselves. We're not going to hoard it. We're not going to do that kind of gatekeeping. We're going to open the gates. I just know this, that when we come together with hungry hearts, expecting God moves in power. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I know God will be here. When we come hungry, He'll move. I want you to think about who needs to be here. I want you to grab them this week. Let's not let anyone be left behind. Let's go together. Let's go as a family. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray where family has been broken in our hearts and our minds, you would begin to anoint us to see it mended. And right now, for every person that's on the other side of our prayers, on the other side of these vision statements, God, I'm asking 
you'd move and reach them and draw them. Lord, help us to cultivate an environment of love, of welcome and warmth, care. Help us to come out of ourselves, to overcome the fear of isolation and and to really open our hearts, connect. Break us free, Lord. Let us walk in the dream of God. Can you dream it? Can you see it? Come, Holy Spirit. Even tonight, let faith arise. Let God arise. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Like smoke is driven away. Drive the enemy away. And Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersati. We'll see you in the next episode.